Rants at the Movies, a podcast where we rant about films you may have seen at house parties. I'm one of your hosts in Jack of All Trades Mono, and fooling people into thinking her furry trout is actually real is my co-host and master of none, Kira. It is real, and it's fucking delicious. <laughs> you, you keep telling yourself that. Yes, it is. And everybody else. Uh-huh. Yeah, so it, it's our 20th episode. Really? It is. Well, of Mono Rants at the Movies, it's our 20th episode. Shit. Yeah, so I decided that I'd try and make lightning strike twice. In that, for some reason, our Crying Freeman rant is by far our most popular episode. Yeah. It, it has literally tens of plays. <laughs> so I thought I'd try and replicate that magic. And we decided that this week we'd cover the, also Christoph Gantz directed, also Mark Dukaskis starring. With some Mark Dukaskis ass. Yes, most important. Maybe that was what it was. It is the Dukaskis. Maybe in fairness, like, I'm pretty sure he, have most, he has a must-have bare-ass shot in his contract. Maybe somewhere. that's what it was. Maybe people were like, hey, Frank, fairness, Frank Freeman, that's that film where Mark Dukaskis shows his ass. Let's see what two random Irish people have to say about it. <laughs> that's it, yeah. That's also, mystery also, solved, I also think. Also, neither getting is Peter. Neither is giant Peter. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, oh, I can't remember this. the actor's name, but yeah, I'm pretty sure he plays good old Tommy. Uh, as I'll, I'll, I'll explain that later, but... Tommy's dad. Yeah. I'm um, just go But yeah, so same director as Crying Freeman and also has Mark Dukaskis and same producers and a couple of the same actors. I think was it roughly around the same time? Uh, six years later, if I recall. This was mm. 2001 and Crying Freeman was mm. 95. Oh, and Vincent Cassel, who, amazing. Yes, and also Frenchie's safe word. Yes. <laughs> if you're watching The Boys, that makes sense. If not, sorry. Yeah, whatever. But yeah, no, uh, really good cast. Uh, Vincent Castle and Mark Dukaskis would probably have been the only ones I would have known going into this. Yeah. Um, and even then, I was only vaguely aware of Vincent Castle. I think I came across this on a bit of a werewolf buzz. Yeah. When not, I was like hunting for good werewolf films yeah. and things like that. And I came across this and this isn't a werewolf film. No, not strictly a werewolf film. But, but also a, not strictly an anything film because no. it's got so many genres. But was like, oh, Brother of the Wolf, read the back of it. Probably was in a bargain bin did, and fucking extra vision. Did, got it for about a euro. No, I think I think Tig recommended this. Oh, because of Crying Freeman. Well, because of Mark Dukaskis. Yeah, I'm pretty Dukaskis. sure. I'm, Sorry, I'm, I can't. <laughs> and you gave out to me when I first said Mark Dukaskis. I know, but Mark it's in Dukaskis there now, class. like Martif. 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 Yes. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, shout out to getting the game for that one. Oh, it annoys me every time I see it. <laughs> Yep, ruined it for you. Yep. But has it ruined Mark Dukaskis' ass for you? No, his big bald head though does. Now in Iron Chef, it's weird, I don't like it. Well, I mean, this and Crying Freeman were 21 and 27 years ago, respectively. I know. So, like, you know, he does age. I know. He's not, what's his face, Paul Rudd. Yeah, he doesn't age, it's weird. I'm pretty sure he's a vampire. (laughs) Way off track. What were we talking about? Um, Oh, where we first... Yeah. I I know what we're (laughs) podcasting about. Um, I'm not that bad yet. Yeah, no, I think might have been on a bit of a werewolf movie buzz and came across this. I reckon it was Tyke. I reckon I made Tyke. Uh, Shout out to Tyke. Recommended this. And um, some other good films. And Gormenghast, which is amazing. Which, yeah, we'll probably eventually get around to covering as well. Uh, as for this, yeah, no, actually, I really enjoyed it from the first time we watched it. I actually, no, tell a lie, I saw this on Channel 4. Did you? Yeah, it was on Film 4 one night. We remember Channel 4 used to actually show good movies. Before they became films. Yeah. But this, I think, was on on like a Saturday night coming up to like Halloween or something like that. Euro trash. Yeah. (laughs) What a legend. Yep. But I think this might have been on like film four because that's where I saw Dog Soldiers for the first time. It's definitely a film four kind of film. Yeah. Definitely. 
and yeah, you know, it's really enjoyable. It, it, I, I wouldn't describe it as any one kind of genre because it's it's historical fiction. There's a little bit of werewolf stuff. There's definitely it's also based action. on a true story. Uh, well, based on true events. Yeah, no, like there was an actual like big ass beastie running around rural France eating people in the 1600s. 1760s, wasn't it? Oh. Uh, but but, but, but I have it somewhere in my notes. 1764 to 1767. Yeah. Killing around 100 people, often in bizarre circumstances. Rumoured to be up to about 500, but uh, there was also, this was kind of in the lead up to the revolution. Yeah. And there was uprising, so presumably some were, you know, attributed to the beast. (laughs) Well, also, I mean, there is the element of the French Revolution didn't happen because the monarchy and the ruling class were nice people. No. So they probably didn't give a shit that they were being terrorized by this beast yeah <laughs> it was only when it well, attacked it, nobles yeah. or people yeah. well that uh, became ranking. it became such a bother to the nobles who were like you know can't, couldn't go out pleasure hunting on their land yeah that the king was like fine yep fine i'll do something about it it's not just eating normal people anymore oh, okay, fine. the peasants are revolting they've always been revolting but now they're rebelling <laughs> but yeah no it is there's there's, there's so many genres in this mm. It, it's, it's kung fu there's oh, part, horror there's, there's no, no, romance no, 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 there's no, no, comedy no. I looked up the, the the guy who did all the, the fight coordinating on this and he's done some really impressive stuff but this is just so stylish oh yeah oh yeah no that, uh, it's overly stylish in parts but it but, works really um, well it's, yeah it's a little bit self-indulgent at times but I'm gonna let him away with it because like Crying Freeman was super stylish as well this yeah. is super stylish too. It's just a little bit. There are the bit with Monica Bellucci's naked form transitioning into the the moonlit hills. Okay, that was the editor getting a little <laughs> bit artsy fartsy. That was a bit much. So yeah, a touch self indulgent at times. But it, as but, well, how else do you fade out from Monica Bellucci's naked form? Well, did we have to? No. <laughs> Why did just, she have to put clothes on for mean, the rest there's, there's of the a, film? Yeah, there's a good forty minutes left in the film at that point. Just just leave that up there. I don't think anybody would complain. No, no, she's an absolutely stunning looking woman. I wish I looked like her. Honestly. Damn. To me you do. Aww. But have you found that guy's name yet? Uh Right, I'm gonna do the summary while okay. you continue to search for his name. Oh fuck, I didn't say, as is tradition. Fuck me, Cyril Raffaelli is in this as a stunt performer. Oh, sweet. <laughs> Sarah Raffaelli of District 13, previous yeah. episode. Baldy guy. Yeah, I know who he is. No, context just to as our... reference to who he is in District 13. He's the baldy guy who gets smart, who throws the guy through the casino table. Yeah, the other lead. That's mm-hmm. not Bell. Yeah. No, I did shit. I didn't know that. Yeah, no, I was just um, going down through stunts. It's, it's also the screen debut of, and I'm going to absolutely butcher all the French people's names in this, but, um, oh, fuck, I have it written down. Gaspard Liel? He's the little boy who they say gets attacked early on that Greg goes to see. Oh, the little kid in the hospital. Yeah, he ah. was in. He grew up and he was in quite a lot of stuff in France and he was in some. He was in Moonlight. Oh. And he died in a skiing accident oh. earlier this year. Yes! Yay. This was his screen oh. debut. Uh, he yeah, went I on to star no, 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 in like, a. Co- I literally. Um, when Moonlight came out, I remember hearing about one of the guys yeah, who was so in I'm, it. I'm, and- Particularly apologetic if I've butchered his name, but yeah, he passed away earlier this year. I think yeah, in a skiing it was really, accident. Really sad, yeah. This was as I said, this was his screen debut, and he went up to star in a couple of things with Vincent Castle and Jeremy Renier, Renier, French Jeremy Renner. That's <laughs> what Renier. I gotta call him, French Jeremy Renner, and and Gaspard were in a couple of things as well. I was supposed to do a summary. Yeah. This is a really loose episode, guys. 
we fuck off for a week and then we come back and we can barely stay on track even for us it's been really hot my brain hasn't quite solidified again yeah if you didn't catch that I did I did give the excuse on Twitter that it was just too too hot and we were too tired it was 32 degrees we're Irish we melted into puddles it it wasn't conducive to podcasting I'm sorry sue us Um, (laughs) we're not designed for that no no we are pasty Irish folk and (laughs) I'm going to attempt to do a summary now are you still looking for that guy's name yeah because there's like loads of them because there's horse stunts and stuff but you said he was the stunt coordinator yeah I know but there's like a horse coordinator (laughs) there's like stunt horse coordinator as well and horse stunts and then like there's doubles okay so to summarise the film in pre-revolution France, the region of Gévaudan is being terrorised by a mysterious beast and an apparent overabundance of claw-wielding gypsies. The king decides to send the unlikely duo of the royal gardener and his Native American BFF to sort things out. But a beautiful young countess and a mysterious courtesan mean Greg the gardener might end up pursuing more than his intended quarry. He's not called Greg the gardener. No, no, no. He's, he's the king's naturalist. Yeah, he's naturalist and gardener is how he's referred to. Yeah. Yeah, well, he. But yeah. yeah, I'm. I'm not going to spend the entire rant trying to pronounce French names. So uh, it's Gregory. Gregory. Yeah, Gregory de Franzac. Um, that's not hard. No, but I just prefer to call him Greg. So that's what okay. I'm going to do. And then there's uh, Tamara Dapche, who I'm just going to call Tommy. Yeah. And Manny is Manny. Manny and, is just Manny. And and Jean Francois and Marianne. I think I can manage without butchering. Yeah. So, Manny boo. And that's pretty much all the characters that we're going to talk about, actually, except and for... Sylvia. Except for, yeah, Sylvia. Yeah. The aforementioned um, mysterious courtesan. Yeah, and then there's, like, numerous, like, fops and hangers-on. Oh, yeah, there are... It's French aristocracy. Fops and clergy aplenty. And gypsies. Yeah, and a shitload of gypsies. Yeah, and I think, the whole region's invested with them. I think I think it's just so that they can have a whole bunch of brawls throughout the film. Yeah. And I'm, I'm all down for it. Yeah. But there's like, there, you see more gypsies than you see peasants in this film. Yeah. Or actually, or probably yeah. aristocrats even. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just or on nuns. sheer just on sheer numbers. Yeah. Well, you don't see any nuns. No, there's nuns in the hospital. Oh, there are nuns. Yeah. My apologies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, but that 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 was pretty much an effective without without going right into the ending in which there is a reveal around the beast. Yeah, that's pretty much the summary. There is a yeah. beast terrorizing the region. These two dudes get sent in to sort it out so that the fox can continue to live their happy life. Yeah, it's interrupting their hunting season. Yeah, and uh, they don't like it anymore, and they're sick of being complained to. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is. It, it's. I really enjoy this film. Like we hadn't it's... watched it in a while, and we sat down to watch it. And I find sometimes the second watch can be a bit of a slog, depending on the film or depending on how well I know long. the film. Just just over two hours, two yeah, hours thirteen. It is, it is a long film, and just but I was bear ha- that in mind. But it does kind of there are points where it breaks. It's where you paced really well. I think. Go back to it. I think it's paced really well, yeah. and yeah, there are there are good breaks where if you don't want to watch it all in one go, yeah, you can. But I, I what I was going to say was I don't find I didn't find the second watch through of this a slog at all. I really enjoyed mm. partly maybe because I haven't watched it as long, but also it was better than I remembered it being. Yeah, there's some lovely, lovely little touches in it, and like foreshadowing. So the more that you get to know the film, you can see little clues along the way. The aforementioned furry trout, in yes. particular. It, as as well as being a particularly funny scene. Yeah, it's a nice little bit like, of foreshadowing. I'm sorry I took it out in the supermarket. <laughs> Nobody else was. <laughs> but <laughs> but I suppose, yeah, the, the free trade is a good way to talk about our lead character because that's the whole thing is he he's sitting around after he's arrived 
he's sitting down to dinner with all the well, nobles. And upon his arrival into Jevedon, the region, having been sent by the king to investigate this thing that's eating the peasants, he's immediately comes upon. Is the, it villagers beating the shit out of the gypsy? No, there. It's it's the local captain's men dressed as women to try and lure the beast out because the beast doesn't attack men. <laughs> but at the time, it's like the first three or four minutes of the film, you get some, you get the opening scene, you get some narration, you get a really weird fucking sweeping shot and you see the girl getting attacked. Yeah. And then you get some narration. That is, that is, that, that girl getting attacked at the rock is... Kind of hilarious. Yes. <laughs> it's like, especially when it's like, obvious dummy, person. Obvious dummy, person. In fairness, she's getting smacked against the rock. Oh yeah, like, she's getting full body hammered yeah. against against the giant rock face. So that yeah. is actually, because that said, like that she's running for her life at the start of it, mm. absolutely terrified, trying to get away so that kind of, and it's broad daylight as well. Yeah. So that kind of sets the tone for what this thing is and how deadly it is because it doesn't even eat them, it just leaves them there. Yeah. Like it's just, it's actually just killing indiscriminately. But yeah, so you see her getting killed and then you get a little bit of narration as you see Franzak and Manny just coming over the hill in piss and rain. You see these guys getting, they're the, this old man and his gypsy daughter getting chased by these guys. And it's like, are they dressed as women? Yeah, they're dressed as women. And then there's a massive big fight scene and you don't get any context for they're it. Until... dressed as women. That's just the, that's just the coat. No, they are supposed to be dressed as oh, peasant women. Yeah, that's that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, is it's you're not giving because they've got all the. I did not notice they had all the makeup on. No, because their it's, faces it's, also, are all, it's also pissing rain. But before they get the, the shit kicked out of them and covered in uh, mud, they have their their faces are all painted in because, that real kind because of because Franzak and Manny have the the long the long coats trencher on. coats with the real high high collars with the hats, and it's just but, such a look. The pair of them, no, when if when they pans around to the pair of them sitting on the hill on the horses, yeah. just watching the fight. Mm. Oh, that's nice. Oh yeah, but it's like 20 or 30 minutes into the film when your man, the captain Dumel is getting dressed down and they're giving out to him and saying how effective he is and they're saying, oh, all your men do is just wander around dressed like women trying to lure the beast out. And I was like, oh, that's why they look so weird at the start. <laughs> oh, I didn't cut that. Yeah, uh, right. Well, that's unusual for me to have picked up on something that you didn't. But no, the, the reason I wanted to talk about this furry trait was because I, I wanted to talk about the characters. I know, but I just, opening sequence, girl getting smashed into rock, eaten by things. <laughs> it's fucking hilarious, yeah. And, and then the fight also, scene that follows. The in. fight scene that follows, which is your introduction to Manny. Basically, yeah. it's like, this is what he's here for. Yeah, he, they kind of stop attacking the poor girl and her father and look at these guys who've just arrived on horses and they're kind of like, what do you want? And Manny hops down off the horse and yeah, Franzak just kind of goes, yeah, whatever, off you go. <laughs> Have at him. Yeah, which is pretty much... What he does. What he does for the rest of the film yeah. is just like, yeah, you you go do your thing, Manny. Yeah. And Manny beats the ever-loving shit out of those guys in a in a very stylish and very pretty fight scene as well. Yes. And with the rain and then the long, his long coat with the dresses, long pantaloony type things that the soldiers are wearing. Yeah. And there's a lot of swirling. Yeah, a lot of kicks to the chest that send people flying. Yeah. And, uh, oh, yeah, no, it is. It's a nice little introduction scene. And in fairness, there's not an awful lot of action that follows on from that. No, he just until... kind of puts them down and then it's like, oh, you've been attacking my men. That happens later. Oh, no, but just in terms of straight up like action and fights, there's that. And then there's the small fight later on before they go on the hunt. And then there's not really anything until the action at the end. So I think it is a little bit of the director being like, like here you go. Like with Midnight Me Train, give you a little bit of gore at the start yeah. to show you what's coming later. And then, look, we're going to do some plot and some character stuff. And then we'll go mad at the end. Because it does 
kind of do the Cameron thing, this film. Yeah, it does. It's all plot development and then action. Uh, yeah, and then action. No, not like mad action or anything. There's, it's not like but you get all, you, bloom or anything. You get all the development in that first half. You get to know these characters and you kind of get a sense of who they are and what they're going to do and then they go off and do their thing. Yeah, yeah. No, it, 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 in that sense, yeah, it's the Cameron formula and it works for this film, definitely. Yeah. Pacing-wise, those fights and the, the hunt scenes are all dotted nicely throughout the film that you're never getting too bored with the fops and, and the intrigue that's kind of happening no, around that. But, but Greg Defonjak does spend the majority of the film subtly insulting them. He's one of those people who is annoyingly know-it-all but not just not a complete asshole. Yeah. Because it's like, he's annoyingly know-it-all because he actually does know these things and not yeah, just thinks he's, he knows he's a these man, things. He is a man of science. He's a man of reason. And he's looking at the clues and he's like, we're not just going gonna to go out and shoot every wolf, which is kind of like what they were expecting them to go and do. They're actually yeah. trying to hunt it. And all the French fucking fops are all obsessed with the fact that he has an Indian. Yeah. Which, uh, like, I... It's set in the 1700s. Yeah, he's We're supposed looking, to. Have, that's the worst thing that they he, call them in this. He's also supposed to have gone to. Oh, well, they do. They call them savages. Um, no, but again, that's still like not one of. Yeah. But yeah, no, it's in, in this, it's very. The point is that. He's an oddity. Uh, yeah, no, and but anytime, yeah, anytime they very use very much as a curiosity to them because they're like, oh, look, it's an Indian, <laughs> you know. But anytime, yeah, anytime they use terms that wouldn't be okay nowadays, it's because it's set in seventeen sixty seven. Yeah, not because they just shouldn't be using that word when they wrote it or anything. You know what I mean? No, no, but that is, and the way that they kind of look at him is as a curiosity because they're French and they not only are they French like aristocracy. They're removed from Paris. So mm. was these things maybe common in the royal court? Because any kind of new person from a strange land would probably be like brought to show. Yeah, the and, and and everybody just assumes he's a servant or a valet and, and good old Greg has to constantly be like, Well, no. Yeah. <laughs> like Maddie is my brother. Yeah. He's here because he chooses to be here. Although yeah. I do like when they're shown to their rooms the way that Manny sits down on that sofa is very satisfying. <laughs> for some really yeah. weird reason it's just the way he looks it's around very it's like, it is yeah it's very deliberate in that sense, it's, it's, yeah somebody experiencing something from a world that is completely foreign to them yeah and yeah totally plays it like like Teal in Stargate <laughs> I'm sure there's other examples but it's us you're gonna get the Stargate one yeah uh, yeah and, and uh, Franzak is supposed to be this yeah, he's a naturalist and he went to America as a naturalist and ended up fighting in the war. So he knows how to fight and he's a man of reason rather than a man of God. And yeah, they're like he's going out when his his approach to this isn't go and shoot all the wolves, which is what they want to do. Yeah. He's actually going out to um, anytime there's like a fresh victim mm. and looking at it and trying to track it and see what it wants because no animal kills indiscriminately for no reason yeah it's, it's leaving the corpses and he knows this they're trying to kind of figure out if it's got a master or is it more than one of them or is it being there or is somebody trying to make it look like it's yeah is it worse than it is yeah yeah because he wants to inspect the body he wants to He's taking a scientific of, approach yeah, to it's a it proper full and, and and they're all looking at him like he's nuts most of the time yeah <laughs> And the only time, the only time that they, well, early on anyway, that they don't, that they're like actually believing everything that he has, you know, not treating him with any kind of skepticism is in that furry trait scene. Yeah, when he produces when that he produces the table. It, and they're like, oh my God, he's actually got a furry trait. Like, this is insane. One person cops that it's 
no, it's actually a yeah, fake. And he kind of goes, yep, it is. Oh, yeah, and, and like, that, that's Vincent Castle, who's, like, weird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's awesomely weird in this. Who's he, Jean-Francois? Yeah. And <laughs> Jean-Francois. He was off, you know, in the war in Africa. Yeah, because you get a bit of that. The, well, he's, he's got, he's only got, like, one arm. He's missing an arm, yeah, yeah. And he says that, oh, you know, he kind of like, oh, I too am a bit of a traveler. like. Yeah, like, I, and, yeah, I went off to the, the wilds of Africa while you went off to the wilds of America. Yeah, and, you know? and you're, we're the same, you and I, but yeah. like, nah, you're not. <laughs> no, you're, you're incredibly cruel and just kind of weirdly off-putting. Like, I don't want to be in a room with him. There's just something about him that makes my skin crawl. Oh, yeah. Then that's absolutely how he plays it. Like, uh, like he's, he, he's a very, very he's, disturbing man. He's the, the kind of... He's, sta- he's, he's the kind of person who would stand just ever so slightly too close to you. <laughs> yeah, and even though he's probably the only one of the, the aristocrats who's, like, actually fought, he still comes across as, like, the foppiest of the lot of them. I think it's because he only has the one hand, too. He's got to, like, outfop the rest of them. But he's very sneering and, and cruel as well. Yeah, but also it doesn't help that Vincent Castle's face kind of looks like that. <laughs> well, it does help. <laughs> because even the character, um, he's in Black Swan um, as the artistic director and, again, a very kind of cold role but even when he's trying to be warm and friendly at like the mixer where they're trying to schmooze up all the rich people who fund the ballet yeah he still is extremely (laughs) (laughs) off-putting yeah well he did that was one of the bits of trivia was that he initially refused the part until they creeped it up a little oh god I i don't want to go into more detail than that but yeah, he he, he insisted that they were like, no, this character isn't despicable enough. It's not nearly despicable enough. I needed to go up to 11. So, oh, no, 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 no. Ah, I forgot that he, I, ah, my brain hurts. I realized that he was actually incredibly similar to um, uh, Richard Brake's character in Doom. He kind of is of, of um, Goat. Yeah, no, no goat. he's not Goat. That's the um, thing. He's, I never, can never. Portman. Remember. Yes. Portman the Perf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's also, I mean, not counting the beast itself, he's kind of the antagonist of the Fox. You know what I mean? He's, he's the most hostile towards Franzak when he shows yeah. up. But he's also like, I'm back from Africa and I'm the master hunter. And it's also very much a point of pride for him to be the one to kill the beast because it's his land. And this is like supposed to be what he's protecting. And how dare they send in somebody else? There's a, there is a good bit of that going on. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's definitely a part of it. And that's why he's like, oh, we'll get on side and we'll go and hunt it together. And he's, and uh, Franz acts like, no. Whereas kind of a a counterpoint to him is the... Sister. Well, no, I was going to say the um, Tommy. Thomas oh, oh. the young the young count who's very much kind of wide eyed and idealistic and seems to be like Did you Oh Franzak, you're so great, you're from Paris and you're Do you know any actresses? You know, he's this yeah, he views him as this widely travelled, worldly wise man who, you know, yeah, he has the bit about like, oh well, what's what's playing in Paris this season? Do you and, know any of them? Can yeah. you introduce me to any of them? <laughs> yeah, bless his cotton socks, he's a bit naive, isn't he? He's gonna get eaten up in Paris. Um Well, <laughs> Well, he, you, you, I definitely say I get the impression that he's one of the ones that's like, ah, oh, when you, when you're kind of when he's given that at the start of the film about like, oh, the actresses and this and that and the other in Paris and oh, are you going to hunt this and oh, you've got an Indian friend and oh, I was like, oh, you're going to be the first to die, <laughs> <laughs> but he's not. No, surprisingly, he's he's the innocent one that has to survive. Um, and I was I was going to make a joke 
I said to you a couple of days ago about when I spotted what his name was, that it was basically French Jeremy Renner. Yeah. I was going to make a Hawkeye joke. Oh, Baguette Hawkeye? Yeah, about like firing baguettes instead of ours or something like that. Because I completely forgot and I genuinely forgot that his weapon of choice in this film is not a bow and arrow, but it's a a crossbow. Yeah. (laughs) I was like, fuck, I completely forgot that. Yeah, he's quite handy with it too. Yes, in fact, that, that's one of the things that that old Greg says to him is, "I'm old Greg, old Greg. <laughs> come on, John." But yeah, uh, so one of the things Franzak says to him is, that, "Get for Jack Bailey's from his shoe." <laughs> trying to get back to the point, <laughs> he says the weapon is best used in in Tommy's hands and and nobody else's. Yeah, that's because everyone else is kind of shit at it. He is also kind of one of the only ones who seems to give a shit about the peasants. Yeah, but he's still kind of young and naive and visits the brothel. <laughs> They're the only other people he knows. Everyone else, like everybody of his class is old. True, and yeah. Or, or Jean-Francois. Or Jean-Francois. And I don't blame him for not wanting to hang around with no. Jean-Francois. Either. Or Marianne. And to be perfectly honest, he's not allowed to be kind of alone with her, even though they've been friends since childhood. Well, I... I as he he refers to her as the most elusive car in the country so I think he's like I don't have a chance with her yeah I think he's also got like a crush on her well wouldn't you well, there's nobody else really around is there <laughs> well there's Marianne and there's Sylvia and then there's Marianne's mom. yeah and that's about it yeah but she is quite pretty she is and she's well she's she's got a bit of characterization to her yeah well she doesn't she goes out on the hunt with them she stands up to her brother a lot she's not very what you would expect a French aristocratic woman to be doing like she's not at home doing fucking needlepoint like yeah and she she is and she's a damn good shot too and and she is constantly kind of challenging Franzak's idea of, of who she might be. Yeah. Like when the, 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 I keep coming back to the furry trait. Yeah. But she's like, oh, I suppose you think we're all idiots then. And then later on, there's a couple of times where she makes comments like that, where she's like, you know, I, I what's the, there's another, um, when she runs off with the horses, when she says something about him being forward and he says, oh, well, I always am when I'm in love. And she's like, we've barely met. And he says, oh, I wasn't talking about you. And she runs off. Oh, when they're in the church? <laughs> no, before she... Yeah, yeah, when they're, they're in the ruins of church, yeah. But yeah, you do get that she wants she wants more than the kind of aristocratic life and she doesn't oh, just no. want to be... But she won't just run off with the first person who offers her a life outside of... Yeah. Or, or, uh, she wants earth. more than this provincial life? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Franzak in this being kind of Gastani with the pushiness. He is, yeah. Um, he's a little bit on the pushy side, all right? Yeah, just a tad. <laughs> yeah, you, you can hardly blame her for playing hard to get. No, yeah, he's he's kind of of a similar ilk of everyone else that she's around as well. So like, even though he's a man of science, he still has some of the same tendencies mm. towards women as the rest of the aristocracy, which is to not take her seriously and to kind of pat her on the head and send her running on her way. Yeah, and in fairness, the only other... She's kind of just there to be decorative. I I think there's probably a bit of Franzek that just wants things that he can't have. Because when they go to the brothel later, the first thing he... Like, the only courtesan he has any interest in is the one who's all aloof. And it's like, I am, you know, 
it'll cost you dearly and not just money. I set my own hours. But (laughs) (laughs) he wants that one. But yeah, he immediately walks through and it's like he's never been there before yet he somehow knows to walk to the back of the brothel where the most expensive and mysterious prostitute is. Are all brothels set up the same with the you know, like the higher up the floors you go. But yeah, I think I think he does he does seem like a man who's kind of after the unattainable. (laughs) Yeah. Also, can we point out the accents in the brothel? Oh, that it's was on the English dubbed one. On yeah, on on the dubbing, one of my favorite bits about it was the fact that where they go to the brothel, all of the girls in the brothel are like Cockney. Yeah, <laughs> it was just like I can so picture a French director being like, "Well, yeah, let's just make all the whores English, make them working class English, because we hate the English." Yes, they do. <laughs> That's the only part they have in this film. Uh it is hilarious. Yeah, it's only in the dubbed version though. Especially when, especially when your one rooms out, runs out of the room of Maddie, and she's like, "I'm not lying with a sorcerer." It's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> he has tattoos, so he does, it and it really is that bad. Oh, it's truly it's awful. Really bad. <laughs> but um, that's where we get introduced to Sylvia. Yes, played by Monica Bellucci. And she is kind of just that, like, mysterious courtesan cliche for most of the film. Yeah. She's got, like... She has secret knowledge. Yeah. And 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 tarot cards. And she's she's kind of dangerous because she draws a knife on him when they're they're doing the deed. Getting jiggy with it. Yes, getting jiggy with it. Sorry. (laughs) You should be fucking sorry. But, yeah, no, there's not much more to Sylvia than than that at the start. Sexy Um, danger. Kind of like putting your dick in a blender. Yeah, it's 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 the femme fatale. But I mean, it's Monica Bellucci, so we don't care. No. <laughs> we have no complaints. No. And that's about all of the main characters, except for the man himself. Manny Man. Manny. Manny Boo! Yeah, Manny is supposed to be uh, a Mohawk Iroquois, but French people wouldn't have known of Mohawks at the time, so we're Iroquois. just going to call him Native American. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Except it's Mark Dacascus. <laughs> it's Mark Dacascus, who um, has a, a, a very wide racial heritage, but none of it seems to include any Native American tribes. Although being Mark Dacascus, he did go and study oh, yeah, I'm a not lot trying, of I'm the not culture. To, and I love Mark Dacascus. Yeah, no, he did it in a respect, very respectful manner where he, yeah, he learned, he learned he, a he lot learned, about the culture. Yeah, he learned French, he learned how to ride a horse, and he learned as much as he could about Mohawk culture. Yeah. He just happened, but just, like, this, was, this was, was also what two? Oh no, two thousand one. I was going to say nineteen ninety five, but no, I don't. The yeah. only the only problem I have with Mark Dacascus's portrayal of Manny is in the dubbing. Oh, and it's only once or twice. It's oh, it's it's, it's not always bad, but once or twice it is a bit. How me, Manny, you pale face, and it's bad. Yeah, and and I love you, Mark Dacascus, but yeah, that dubbing isn't great. But as for actually in the film, his acting itself, it's grand. I mean, it's it, it's very Noble Savage. Yeah. Uh, it's very much the Noble Savage show. But I do like that he's very, and he's the silent type, but he's very sassy. Oh, yes. Manny is super sassy and, and I love it. He's got some nice little like one-liners. <laughs> yeah, he's got a couple of good one-liners and, and just sometimes he's just the looks that he gives people are hilarious. And as we said, like when he sits down on the sofa and... and, and he's just... like, yes, I will sit here. <laughs> so yeah, no, I do enjoy Manny. Yeah, a bit cliched, but still fun. Yeah, no, he's... And, um... and kicks a whole lot of ass. And you notice him when he's not there because you're like, oh. And and does have that same element of... That we talked like about... Slight supernatural Yeah, that we talked about in, in Crying Freeman. Of, there are some slight supernatural elements where Manny heals somebody and... 
it's, it's it's kind of like an old Indian remedy, but it looks a bit magic-y. And oh, he's, he, the stuff his in his bracelet. bracelet thing. Yeah, and it's, it's like and magic dust. And then he has a, a, a communion with wolves as well. Yeah, he says that like the, there's wolves, the, white the wolves have agreed to help us. Yeah. And, and he talks about, well, Franzek talks about him talking to the trees. But like with Crying Freeman, it's not confirmed one way or the other. You could just take it as well. Manny's just saying, you know, I, I know what wolves are like. And if there's one in the pack that's threatening the rest of the pack, we can use the wolves yeah. to find that and other one. Well would have, or he, he could be play, saying... He can play off superior tracking skills and things like that as well by saying, oh, I'm communing with the trees to help keep that... The secrets. Yeah, you, you could take it either way. You don't have to take it as there being anything supernatural in this film. But you can, if you want, take it as, oh, no, Manny is literally communing with the wolves. Yeah. But I, I like that kind of, that it is vague in the same way that I liked it in, in Crying Freeman. Yeah, it was very, very vague. But, There's just one or two little touches of it throughout the movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, it is. It's literally, it's just peppered throughout and they, they don't overuse it or yeah. and it's not underused where it just happens once and you're like, huh? Why was that there? <laughs> also, when Manny sets up that kind of mousetrap style. Oh, and Manny goes Predator. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Manny does kind of go Predator later on in the film. Yeah, yeah when he's trying to track the beast. I mean, he sets up his whole like mousetrap style like events and, and things and there's like the Widowmaker, that big log with the spikes out of it. Yeah. That's almost like Manny forgets is going to swing back towards him. Like, <laughs> like he ducks under it. He was like, shit. He ducks under it and then kind of gets back up a little bit and he's like, oh shit, it's coming back. <laughs> yeah, it's like, dude, they come back. <laughs> you made it. You should know this. But uh, that... That's pretty much all the main characters. Yes. And then, as we said, assorted fops and clergymen and many, many claw-wielding gypsies. Yeah. I do like their claw things, though. Their claw things are cool. Yeah. And it is worth pointing out the old man who's getting beaten up at the start and is supposed to be like a, a well, healer. He, that's the whole thing is that he's like, oh, we healed their horse and now they're refusing to pay us. Yeah. But the, the character shows up a couple of times throughout the film. And he is actually supposed to be Jean Chastel is the name of the hunter slash farmer who actually killed a massive wolf generally thought to be the Beast of Gévaudan back in 1767. Yeah, everybody, it is worth mentioning that everybody, every character in this film was alive during the reign of... Yeah, all the all the, the, the counts and, which, and which one was it? Louis Fifteenth. Oh, I don't know. I, look it up. Google it. You've got it. But these were are all actually real people who existed in the region at the time, including Manny. No, no, Manny is not. Oh, is Manny the only one who's Manny's not? Manny's pretty much the only one. And probably Sylvia the prostitute. Yeah. But any of like the... The, the, the aristocracy. The aristocracy are all, all, all real people. Yeah, all the real people that were around there at the time. Like, But without going into the plot elements too heavy, particularly anything mm. spoilery, was there anything particularly you really liked? I loved watching the goat herder getting stalked. Yeah. The shepherdess, when she goes looking for her lost goat, and she's walking through the forest, and it's a beautiful forest, mm. and she slips and she sees it down in the bottom of like a ravine that's full of water, yeah. and it's stuck. And then as she's trying to get down, she slips and falls. And there's something about that when she's waist deep in the water, holding the little goat, and she hears the howl, but you can't even tell that it's water because it's covered in so much leaf matter. That it's just, it looks like the ground is just undulating around her. Mm. And it's because of the way it's shot, she's down this hole. And she it looks like she's completely trapped. They do a great job of making water look really pretty in this film. Yeah, no, I just, there's <laughs> something about that scene where she's holding the goat yeah. or the lamb up to her. 
and she's waist deep in this leaf filled water and it looks the same all the way up mm. the sides of this ravine it's no. all covered in this leaf litter and just the fear when she hears that wolf howl. Yeah, no, that is that's one of the really nice and really well shot scenes in, in yeah. if that's not And then she proceeds to eat that sheep and fucking scramble her way out. She's just like, fuck you! <laughs> well, everybody's looking out for number one because the dog fucks off too. <laughs> yeah, her dog leaves her. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, that I just love the fact that she's just like, she looks, kind of looks at the, the goat and just goes, fuck it. <laughs> yeah. That is a really pretty scene and there are many really pretty scenes in this film. I, no, the thing I like the most about it is it, the majority of them are in full daylight. Yeah, but as opposed to say Crying Freeman, the other Christoph Gans film that we looked at, where it was a lot of really well-framed scenes and, and pretty scenes. There was a lot of times when we were watching this, I thought actually just the camera work, in particular some of the shots, mm. really, really well done. Like the camera work on this is fantastic. And actually so is this, the the sound mixing on it. It's pretty damn good too. Yeah, there's a lot of like traditional folk music in it. Well, not just the score, the, the Foley work as well, I find really effective. Um, but yeah, one of the sound effects, I don't, I can't go into it in too much detail, but in the very opening scene where, where that woman is being hilariously killed, yeah. There are some sound effects in there that set up the big reveal at the end. Yeah. Or well, not the big, big reveal, but one of the reveals about the beast. And and if you're listening closely and if you've seen the film before, you can be like, oh, cool. that They've actually put that in right at the start. So, yeah, it, I just I really appreciate how this film is put together. But from kind of all sides, there's a lot of creative work going in that, that stands out in this, I think. Like you're talking about the, that fight director. Did you ever get his name, by the way? I did. And he's the stunt coordinator for this. Yeah. And uh, he's the stunt coordinator. He did stunts on District 13. Uh-huh. And what else did he do? Ronan and The Ninth Gate. Uh, all pretty good films. Yeah. Except for uh, that one flying bit in The Ninth Gate. Uh, Richard Dew is his name. Uh, yeah. If, if, you, if you want your supernatural elements to be ambiguous, don't fuck it up by having somebody fly through the air in front of a main <laughs> character. But that's not this film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I just, as, as we were watching, I know we, we like, we'll often talk about visual stuff and cinematography, but there's, yeah, there's so many good elements to this and probably because it mixes so many genres that I did yeah, notice. Like I noticed, mash up a good bit. I noticed the editing a lot more. I noticed the transitions a lot more. And I noticed the sound mixing, even sometimes the writing choices. Uh, and I just, yeah, it, 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 it all works together really well. And everybody that worked on this film deserves a round of applause. Except for maybe the CGI guy. Some parts are dodgy. <laughs> the CGI is not great. I yeah, I have opinions about CGI that I could do a whole rant about on on its own. In fairness, yeah, but it's only I'd say there's only really two scenes where I was like, ooh. Yeah, I, yeah. Two. I was gonna three. be. I was gonna be like, yeah, it was 2001, but no, no, because the abyss was 1988, and it looks phenomenal. Yeah, no, just, just. I just, yeah, I can't let big budget. No, this wasn't a particularly big budget thing. I just, um, sometimes it doesn't age well. But one of them was a flock of birds, a flock of CGI birds. Oh, they in that very crying Freeman coming through the doves moment that Manny has. But, yeah, but they're actually. Real you could have just doves. Left, let it, yeah, just release doves or. Like, yeah, yeah, or just not have them because they were. Mm. It wasn't like they added a huge amount to it. So that no. one particularly annoyed me. Some of the rest of it is around the beast and stuff when we start to see him towards the latter half of the film. Yeah. What they wanted to do with the beast, they, uh, CGI was unavoidable. They did the best with what they had. It's only really dodgy in one or two bits. But that bird thing annoyed me. Mm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it really did. 
But there are, actually, there was there was one or two weird transitions as well, like the one I mentioned already with Monica Bellucci's form. Yeah, that is the weirdest one, though. I think that um, one. Really, the one towards the end really where where for no apparent reason Tommy walks across the room and opens a window and the camera moves out the window and yeah. transitions into a, a a ship moving across the sea again. That one bit weird. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, the DP on this mm. was Dan Dan Loudston. I right. said that wrong because uh, he's Danish. I apologize for butchering your surname. <laughs> uh, most recently, Nightmare Alley. Oh, cool. John Wick Chapter 3. Also cool. Shape of Water. The, the, the fish fucking film. Yeah. Grinding Nemo. Gr- oh, God. Grinding Nemo is my favorite alternate title for the fish fucking <laughs> film or The Shape of Water. Uh, John Wick 2. Right. Crimson Peak. That funky vampire one. Oh, cool. We don't need his whole filmography. No, but he's done many, many, many things as DP. Yeah, no. Um, Silent so Hill. Everybody on this seems to be pretty well established now Ooh. from behind the scenes. He did The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which I'm particularly fond of, even though it is trash. Well, that's why we're fond of it. Yeah. Because it is trash. But, yeah, no, every, like with like the, the stunt coordinator and even some of the writers and stuff like that, the other behind-the-scenes people that we've looked up all have gone on to do quite a lot of Yeah, well, stuff. he did Mimic as, as well, and that was before this. Oh, yeah, and before this. I'm not saying that the, this film launched him or anything, but no. there was a lot of talented people involved in this film, and it comes across. It is a beautiful, For beautiful film. N- 90% of it I, I really enjoy. There's, there's very... There, there's one flashback scene that's shot kind of weird. It's like flashback vision. Not great. The little girl who survives the attack. I'm drawing a complete blank. She climbs into the hole and she's getting chased by the beast and it's all in weird flashback oh, vision. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one where like you can see things in like beast mode. Yeah, it's like it's like it's supposed to be beast mode, except it's from third person and we can see the little girl running away and we can see from her point of view, but we never see from the beast's point of view. So it, it's weird. Yeah, and it, yeah, it's got like that weird effect on it. Yeah. I think that was just somebody being like, hey, let's check this out. But um, I, I still, you know, I definitely, definitely a film that I will, will continue to rewatch many, many times, I'd say. Yeah, you do kind of have to be in the mood for it. Yes. Just given the length of it. Well, I'd say give it a watch <laughs> if you haven't seen mm-hmm. it and decide for yourself. And then, yeah, after that, yeah, you kind of know whether or not you're in the mood for it. Partly because it's long and partly because it's like, you know where we're like, oh, I want to watch an action film or I want to watch a horror film or I want to watch a martial arts film. You kind of have to go, I want to watch Brotherhood of the Wolf because yeah. it's it's such a mix. And it, it works for it. Like, Sorry, I just found that, that brilliant quote you're trying to remember from Manny. Mm. All women are the same colour when the candle blows out. Yes. Great line. But when he delivers it, in, in the, the dubbing, dubbing, it's really bad. Oh, because, yeah, he's he's at, it, it's a, it is actually a great line because one of the, the, the fox asks him, Oh, can can uh, can they procreate with other women? Yeah, can a savage like you procreate with somebody from our race? And Manny's response is, "All women are the same color when the lights blow out." Yeah. And in the non-dub version, it's like, "Yeah, sassy Manny, you go." But in the dub version, it's oh, it's, it's bad. bad. It's one of the few that he really, yeah, yeah. It's probably the worst of all the lines because the rest of them he just delivers normally. Even when he has the line about the fire all trees, arts? all trees speak. Uh, white man oh, just doesn't know how to listen yeah. even that's not terribly yeah. delivered it's just something about that line in particular or too oh, much noise or why Manny doesn't use firearms too much noise too much smoke bad smell and yeah. that's like and he just yeah. again as that's delivered fine it's just something about mm. that one is bad very very bad <laughs> and I mean yeah I, I suppose the film is it's a little bit overly artsy at points 
but it's French. Yeah. And 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 I've definitely seen artier and more up themselves French films than this. Yeah. Well, in fairness, one of my favorite directors is Luc Besson because his films are always beautiful. Yes. And one of the worst, most up itself films we've ever seen was French. And this is nowhere near as, as up itself or self-indulgent as that piece of shit was. What, Tales from the Dark? That, yeah, Fears of the Dark thing. Fears of the Dark, oh. Yeah, we were garbage. tricked into watching that. Though. Yeah, we were tricked into... We, we were tricked was... by fucking marketing departments putting Guillermo del Toro's name in bold and executive producer in tiny, tiny writing he above wasn't even, it. He wasn't even an executive producer. It was a quote from him. Yeah, but we were tricked. We were yeah, foiled. Yeah, tiny quote from Guillermo del Toro. We massive Guillermo del Toro. And then the title. Should have looked closer. Yeah. Should have looked closer. And then we, we sat through the majority of it and we're like, well, we switched it off and we're like, no, nah, there's 10 minutes left. Really oh no, we no, we never. I never watched the end of the film. Did you not? Because uh-huh. I think it's the only film I've ever watched that I haven't watched to the end of on purpose. Like you know, what I mean, like not that I caught something off on TV and then had to leave. Yeah, like we sat down to watch a film. I went, "This is trash. Turn it off." Yeah, we've just never. Whereas other it. films, no matter how bad they are, I've watched to the end. Just yeah, to you know, so it might it might turn it around. It might get better, end. even even if I wasn't paying for anything, even if it was on TV and they could change the channel. Every other time I've watched a bad film, I've watched it from start to finish. Also, so I can go. Yeah, that was an entirely bad film. I didn't need to watch any more of that piece of shit to me. I've never been able to watch March of the Penguins in one go. That's because you fall asleep. Yeah, I can't. Like, his voice is so soothing. Yeah. Well, that, <laughs> could you podcast about it? March of the Penguins? Yeah. I, I don't... It would take me about three weeks to watch the whole fucking thing. <laughs> Probably, <laughs> Between yeah. Between naps. <laughs> okay, look, I know we haven't been particularly on track during this yeah. podcast, but we've gone really off we the rails. So back to Brotherhood of the Wolf. Is there any? I'm just going to say last thoughts before we derail again. Any anything last thoughts? Good, bad that you particularly enjoyed? Didn't enjoy? Um, I enjoyed it. There was a lot of fops whose names I never bothered to mention because they all kind of look the same. The older ones. Yeah, there is a much wider cast, but for various reasons we didn't discuss them. No, the actual core story itself is quite interesting. And then when when there's like obviously all the massive plot reveals at the end, mm. that's fucking brilliant um the way that turns because you are Mm. left going oh my god oh my god oh my god there's a lot of that and there is some phenomenal action at the end of the film that we discussed like the action it is because it's the the cameron recipe to do it spoiler free we can't talk about the second half of the film and we haven't really um but it is it's there's like a good hour of stuff there that is just yeah Franzak and Manny have to leave the area and go back to Paris around about an hour in and, and then they come one back. or two things happen in Chevrodon and then we have a scene of them in Paris being convinced to come back and from that point on it's just action it's action and it goes a bit off the rails but in a really really good way oh yeah and there's love vengeance romance fucking there's all sorts of madness going on and everything comes together and it's this big melting pot oh yeah it's it's just it's great I mean I, in a way I, I would have preferred to have do, done a non-spoiler sorry a, a spoiler review of this so we could talk about all the fun but I feel that it's actually a film that a lot of people might not have seen and I prefer them to go and experience it for themselves yeah because you know, it is it is like it does kind of seem very sedate at parts but it more than makes up for it oh yeah definitely and I mean, we didn't. We probably didn't do a lot of the characters justice there because the the characters are actually well set up, and you get a lot of of who they are through their actions rather than their words. 
Well, also the fact that these were real people and being able to draw on, on their own life history helped make these characters 3D. True, true. You know, you have you have their whole life history there to go through so you could kind of get a sense of who they were. It'd be You know, you had a, a base point there to build on. Mm. Oh, oh, one thing that I did forget to say and that, that is probably relevant is that uh, there's a 4K restored version of this film and it has been selected... Uh, selected? It has been selected for the official selection of the 2022 Cannes Film Festival. Sweet. So it'll be getting a bit of extra attention this year. Oh, well, they are they going to put in the deleted scenes? Uh, I don't the, know. The there DVD, are some, yeah. The DVD version. There's like four different versions of this, depending on where it was released. Yeah, the UK DVD, the like region, what region are we? We're region two. DVD version has five deleted scenes. Yeah. Um, which is like the extended opening fight scene. A couple of other a, a flashback a, scene. There's a Manny communing with nature scene. Mm. And Sardis being a spiteful little shit. Yeah, I think it, it just it, they are actual character expanding ones for some of them as well. Yeah. But yeah, no, I will say the characterization in it is done is done quite well. For most of them. One or two of them are a bit cliched. Even Manny is a bit cliched, but he's still one of the, the more fun and better characters in it. Yeah, he goes off doing his thing. He, he definitely comes into his own. The more the film goes on, he comes into his own. Yeah. Like when they're in society, he's quite happy to take the back seat and play the role. But then when they go out on the hunt, it, it's all him. Yeah, but that's that's pretty much uh, everything I have to say about this film for the yes. minute. Without, as I said, without, without going, going too far, yeah. But definitely, yeah. If you haven't checked it out and you've listened to a bunch of our other podcasts and have you've seen what we've covered, if you like the majority of the films we've covered, you'll probably like this too. It's up on Prime, yes. Uh, what did we watch it on we I watched it on we watched it on the DVD. usual fucking thing we did like the Luddites we are and we watched it on DVD <laughs> at least it wasn't on the hard drive this time no we watched this on DVD but I think it might be up but as I said with it going to Cannes this year there is going to be a resurgence yeah hopefully it'll be a bit more available for people to, to track down but I think that about wraps up the very rambly very oh, ranty podcast about yeah. the Brotherhood of the Wolf it's a bit all over the place it is a bit all over the place but the film kind of is, and we always are. Yeah. So I think people have come to expect that of us. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to get better. It's not going to get better. And just further proof of that is the fact that, as per usual, no idea what's getting covered next week. Nope. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll be back with something. Uh, yeah. We'll do our best to be back within the week. Yeah. <laughs> this we, time. Yeah. Uh, we'll try not to take any unscheduled breaks, but the weather has broken, so we should be okay. Yes. But it's it, cool now. <laughs> it is definitely much cooler. But in the meantime, thanks for joining us, guys. If you want, you can check out our old podcasts. You can check out our other podcast, Mono Rants the Boys, where we cover everything and anything boys related. And if you want to come and chat with us, you can find us on Twitter at Rants Mono. You can find us on Instagram at Mono Rants underscore the underscore boys. Or you can send your own rants to Mono Rants Podcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Fooling people into thinking her furry trout is real is my co-host and fucking asshole. <laughs> we are Science Fiction Remnant. This is the Funny Science Fiction Podcast. We are the Caribbean Science Fiction Network. We are Monorats. We are One Core Level 2 Podcast. This is Sci-Fi.